Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is all about bringing joy through storytelling and conversation. We're going to hit you with some wellness, some inspiration, and splashing a little laughter. It'll be time well spent. I promise you that. So sit back and relax. Let's do this thing. Jim Ferris. I just called to say hello and see how you are. Lou told me you've been talking to her. Um, I'll try and call you back later today. I got a story to share with you about my relationship with a man named Jim. He started out as my boss and ended up being my mentor and a treasured friend. The lessons I learned from him have served me well through life's ups and downs. Listen up and you'll learn why I chose now to share them with you and challenge you to show up like Jim showed up for me. I went to work for Jim almost 30 years ago. I was in my early 20s. It was a part-time gig, the four months during tax season. He and his wife own and operate a tax preparation service. I'd work evenings during the week and a full day on Saturday and sometimes Sunday. For at least 10 years, I stopped counting. I did the data entry that turned a paper tax return into an electronic file submission to the IRS so that clients could receive their refunds sooner. The computer was set up in a corner in Jim's office, so we'd talk. Well, mostly he'd talk and I'd listen. He could come up with these random commentaries about everything you can imagine, and heavy in the life lesson category. You know, responsibilities, working hard, saving money, retirement, traveling, education, integrity. Saving money? Did I say that already? Saving money was big for Jim, and I'd wish I'd follow that advice better. The first season I worked there, I wondered why the hell this man wanted to tell me all this stuff. And if I'm being honest, half the time I didn't want to hear it. I mean, he was talking to me about retirement, and I'm 20-something. That's the last thing I'm thinking of. Spending 30 years working at the same place? Not me. He thought more of my future than I did. I'd rather we talk baseball. He loved baseball like I love baseball. We'd learned that about each other when I asked him about a picture on his desk. It was of him at Camden Yards. You know, the park where the Orioles play? I told him Boog Powell, who played first base for the Orioles for 13 years, was from Key West, just like me. He already knew that and teased me that Boog just sold barbecue now. I didn't need to tell him Boog was a four-time All-Star, league MVP, and a World Series champ two times, because he knew that. He also knew his slugging percentage. That's the thing about Jim. He knew lots about lots. So be careful what you ask him, because he'd cover it front to back and inside out. When I talked about baseball, I wanted to talk about standings, stats, and the series. Especially predict who would make it to the series, as if it wasn't too early to start figuring that out in the spring. That's baseball talk. Not for Jim, though. He'd want to talk about the absurd contracts, corrupt owners, and steroids. 
He'd rather predict which one of those would be the demise of the game. I'd say, come on, Jim, don't ruin it for me. I mean, I was young. I hadn't figured out that the world, even the sports world, was ruled by money. But that's the thing about being a mentor. The mentor knows what the mentee doesn't know. He wasn't trying to ruin it for me. He just figured I needed to know, and it might be easier to take if it came from him. I don't know if it was baseball or what, but Jim and I hit it off. Seems like Jim was always looking out for me. During those days, I didn't have a car. I walked or rode my bike everywhere I went. If it was raining, he'd show up to give me a ride. I wouldn't even have to call him. He'd just be outside my house waiting, all comfortable in that 700 series BMW he rolled in. Jim had all the good stuff. Nice shoes, nice watch, nice clothes. The stuff that impressed, but he never mentioned any of it or apologized for it either. I noticed all those details. When everyone ordered takeout, he'd take care of mine on the DL. He'd tell me, don't spend the money you earn before you even get a check. And don't ever put anything on a credit card you won't have when the bill comes. Now that's a good one, right? I soaked up whatever he had to tell me. I guess he knew it because he kept it coming. He told me the more I knew, the more interesting parties would be because I'd be able to talk to anyone. I thought that was funny because nobody talked at the parties I was going to. Now, I'd take a date with a good conversation over a dope party any day. The walls in his office were covered with maps with pins marking the places he'd traveled. He had framed photos of him and his wife, Miss Lou, standing in front of the most well-known sites in the world. from the Great Wall of China to the Opera House in Australia. They'd seen it all. When he'd catch me admiring the pics, he'd say, save your money. And when you retire, you can travel wherever you want. The sponsor of this episode is our favorite partner, Love Cheeky all-natural, handcrafted Key West apothecary. Their hand sanitizer clean is flying off the shelves. Clean is intuitively crafted with 70% alcohol, organic aloe water, aloe gel, and organic essential oils. Your hands will be clean and your skin will be moisturized. I don't leave home without my bottle of clean. I love the way it smells and it doesn't irritate my skin. I'd give you a spray of mine, but I think you should get a bottle of your own at lovecheekykw.com. He'd say things and ask questions like he was planting seeds. He'd tell me I was smart. Every week he'd ask me if I was in charge yet, referring to my full time. It took me a while to figure out that every time he asked, it was a reminder for me to position myself for the future. I'll be honest, it made me feel good to know he thought I could be the boss one day. Every night when we'd lock up, He'd say, I enjoyed talking with you. Like it wasn't about the work, but the conversations we were having. That was cool. When tax season was over, I'd be glad to have a break. But I looked forward to tax season rolling around again so Jim and I could spend time. And he paid good, too. As I got a little older, I was more interested in the topics of conversation 
even retirement. Eventually, though, I was earning enough at my full time that I was able to drop the part-time job. Jim and I'd still talk every couple of months, and we'd meet up during baseball season to catch the high school team play ball. He reminded me that he didn't watch the major leagues anymore, because just like he predicted, steroids were in the game. I think he said it would be corrupt owners, but I didn't argue the point. As the years passed, we'd see each other less often, once or twice during tax season, when I'd go in to have my own return prepared. We talk about what we'd been up to, current events, maybe even a little baseball. He'd always ask if I was saving my money, have I traveled anywhere, and if I was in charge yet. And he'd close with, I enjoyed talking with you. When my partner of 15 years died, Jim showed up for me. After the memorial service, Jim came to me and offered a hug, which I gladly accepted. All the years we knew each other, I believe that was the first time we'd hugged. He told me to go to work Monday, and then he called me in the evening to see how it went. I thought that was kind of random, but that was Jim. Monday morning rolled around and I went to work, and like he said he would, he called that night and asked how it went. I told him I showed up, told him I couldn't concentrate and didn't get any work done. He said you didn't need to show up to work, you needed to show up for yourself, go back tomorrow. That was 16 years ago. I've gotten through a lot of Mondays and other challenging times since then that I might not have had I not learned how to show up for myself on that first Monday. Brene Brown says the willingness to show up changes us. It makes us braver each time. Jim knew this. Over the years, Jim and I didn't see each other often enough. We did speak on the phone from time to time. When I decided to go back to college to finish my degree, I called him, told him I didn't know if it was worth the investment. He told me the degree might not be, but the education was priceless. He was the first one I called when I submitted my final paper to complete my credits. He said he was really proud that I made a decision to invest in myself. He'd still ask if I was saving money or making plans to travel. He'd ask if I was in charge yet. I was proud the time I could answer yes to that question. He was too. He said, I knew you would be one day. Now you can buy me lunch. In more recent years, he'd ask if I was happy. And like clockwork, he'd end the call the same way. I enjoy talking with you. Joey, it's Jim again. I'm sorry I missed you. I'll keep trying though. I'll catch you someday. Bye-bye. Jim and I spoke about a month ago. He'd been sick, but was feeling better and was expecting to make a full recovery. The doctor said they got it all. The coronavirus was already hovering over the world, so we knew we couldn't see each other soon, but when we could, we'd agree we'd do lunch. I told him I'd pay, cause I've been saving my money. We both laughed, 
I wanted to tell him about my plans after retirement, which is just around the corner, how I'm launching a podcast and producing positive content. I was going to tell him I finally got my passport and was headed to Amsterdam this summer. But he sounded tired, so I figured I'd wait and tell him everything over lunch. Before he could say it, I told him I enjoyed talking with him. Because I did. I received the sad news a few days ago that Jim passed away. Saying farewell to my mentor made me think about my own mentee, Natalie, a 16-year-old high school sophomore that I've been mentoring for four years as part of the Take Stock in Children program. My role as her mentor is to offer support, guidance, and encouragement, just like Jim did for me for so many years. For one hour once a week, we meet at her school and talk. I come up with these random commentaries about asking good questions and advocating for herself. She plans to be an attorney. I tell her to imagine herself in the corner office, the one that says boss on the door. I tell her I'll come visit and she could treat me to a fancy lunch. I ask her if she's saving her money. She's got a part-time job and it's never too soon to start saving. I ask her if she's turned in that essay to travel abroad in the summer. She's a great writer and shouldn't wait to travel. I ask her what's made her happy this week. She always laughs and tells me a story of some silliness her and her friends get into. She doesn't like baseball. She likes boys and reading books. So we talk about that too. Probably not enough for her. So next time we meet, I'll make sure to save more time for boys and books. And I'll close like I always do with I enjoy talking with you. Because I do. The words mentor and mentee sound so impersonal. Those words are just labels anyway. Labels change as relationships grow, which remind me of a quote I read that describes a relationship between a mentor and a mentee just right. It's like learning from someone who wants to see you grow. I figured out pretty early on, that's what Jim wanted from me. That's why he'd show up for me over and over again. And that's what this story is really about, showing up for someone, including yourself. The way you are there for them in your actions will determine how you show up for them in their memories when they hear your name. Let that sizzle in your spirit. I learned lessons from Jim. Work hard, save your money so you can retire and travel the world. There's more in the story if you listen again See if you recognize them. The most important one is to show up for yourself and others. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Remember, you can hit the pause button while you think. Number one, who are you showing up for? I'll give you a hint. You should be the first on the list. I learned that from Jim. Number two, how are you showing up for him? Number three, who shows up for you? And number four, have you told him what it means to you? This episode is dedicated to Jim Ferris, a dear soul who showed up for me consistently over the years. It's dedicated to all my people who show up for me and others on the regular. 
I hope this story inspires you to bring joy by showing up and planting seeds of support, guidance, and encouragement for yourself and others to grow through. I'm Joy Newlish, and I appreciate you tuning in to my podcast. My purpose is to bring joy into my life and the lives of others. If you enjoyed this episode, like and subscribe because there's a lot of good stuff on tap. You can also follow Bring Joy on YouTube or check my website at joynewlish.com. Now go bring joy to the people in your world. Until next time, much love. I enjoyed talking with you.